600 years old when the floodwaters came upon the earth. And Noah and his sons and his wife and his sons' wives with him went into the ark to escape the waters of the flood. They went into the ark with Noah, two and two of all flesh, in which there was breath of life. And those that entered, male and female of all flesh, went in as God had commanded him, and the Lord shut him in. The flood continued forty days on the earth, and the water increased and bore up the ark, and it rose high above the earth. The waters prevailed above the mountains, covering them fifteen cubits deep, about twenty-five feet. And all flesh died that moved on the earth, birds, livestock, beasts, all swarming creatures that swarm on the earth, and all mankind. Everything on the dry land in whose nostrils was the breath of life died. He blotted out every living thing that was on the face of the ground, man and animals and creeping things and birds of the heavens. They were blotted out from the earth. Only Noah was left and those who were with him in the ark. And the waters prevailed on the earth 150 days, but God remembered Noah and all the beasts and all the livestock that were with him in the ark. And God made a wind blow over the earth and the waters subsided. Then he sent forth the dove, that is Noah sent forth the dove from him, to see if the waters had subsided from the face of the ground. But the dove found no place to set her foot, and she returned to him to the ark, for the waters were still on the face of the whole earth. So he put out his hand and took her and brought her into the ark with him. And he waited another seven days, and again he sent forth the dove out of the ark. And the dove came back to him in the evening, and behold, in her mouth was a freshly plucked olive leaf. So Noah knew that the waters had subsided from the earth. Then he waited another seven days and sent forth the dove, and she did not return to him anymore. So in the six hundredth and first year, in the first month, the first day of the month, the waters were dried from off the earth. And Noah removed the covering of the earth and looked, and behold, the face of the ground was dry. And in the second month, on the twenty-seventh day of the month, the earth had dried out, and God said to Noah, Go out from the ark you and your wife and your sons and your sons' wives with you and bring out with you every living thing that is with you. And then Noah built an altar to the Lord and took some of every clean animal and some of every clean bird and offered burnt offerings on the altar. And when the Lord smelled the pleasing aroma, the Lord said in his heart, I will never again curse the ground because of man, for the intention of man's heart is evil from his youth. Never will I ever again strike down every living creature as I have done. While the earth remains, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night shall not cease. And God blessed Noah and his sons and said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. The fear and dread of you shall be upon every beast of the earth and upon every bird of the heavens, upon everything that creeps on the ground and all the fish of the sea. Into your hand they are delivered. Every moving thing that lives shall be food for you. And as I gave you the green plants, I give you everything. You have heard the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Father, I pray today, I pray that as we read and study your word, I pray that you would encourage us. I pray that you would strengthen us. I pray that you would convict us, change us. Lord, I pray that you would help our hearts glory in your son Jesus he is our rock he is our redeemer he is the ark of your salvation may we hope and live for his kingdom that is coming it is coming soon 
Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. So have you ever felt the kind of the longing of the soul for a new beginning? It's a pretty common desire for humanity. You know, and I'm talking about the new beginning where the anxieties of this life and the brokenness of this life kind of fade away into the rearview mirror. I think we've all felt that at some point in life. I mean, our movies capture it. I mean, it's like one of the three plot lines for a Hallmark Christmas movie. And as we read the study of the story of Noah and the Ark, as we've, as we've spent a couple weeks uh, digging into it, reflecting on it, I think it's about a lot of things. It really is. It's about a lot of things. But one of the most uh, great, the, one of the greatest aspects of this story is that it's a story of new beginnings. The flood cleansed the earth, and God graciously reaffirmed in Noah what he had affirmed in Adam. Be fruitful and multiply. It was a new beginning. And the story of Noah and the ark, as we, as we reflect upon it, it's, it's a story that communicates the powerful gospel truth that God is bringing about a new beginning for his people and his creation. God is bringing about a new beginning for his people and his creation. Last week, we talked about how Noah was a type of Christ, how he prefigured Christ. He was the one who accomplished the work and brought about the redemption for humanity. This week, I want us to consider how the ark itself, the vessel that Noah had built, is, is a prefiguring, is a type of Christ and the salvation that we have in him. For Christ is the ark of God's salvation. He is bringing about new life. He is delivering us from this world that is passing away, and he will bring us with him into the new heavens and the new earth. And in Christ, we find deliverance, we find security, and we find provision. Because the ark was God's means for deliverance for Noah and his family, Christ is God's means for deliverance for you. There is a wrath, there is a judgment that is coming that will be revealed against all mankind, and only those who are in Christ Jesus will be saved from, from that wrath. All of those outside of the ark perished. All of those outside of Christ will also perish. For John says this, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but, that through, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Now we're familiar with that, but listen to this. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. There is no name given among men under heaven by which we can be saved apart from Jesus Christ. Only in Christ will you find deliverance from the punishment of sin that is to come. And in Christ you will know the joy of his new life. The joy of the new beginning that Christ is brought about for his people and will bring to completion in the days of his new creation, the new heavens and the new earth that is eternal life. And that life that you have in Christ, the life that is offered is a, is a salvation that is secure. As, it was, as salvation was based on Christ and not our own merits, our security of our salvation is also based on Christ. For as God shut Noah into the ark with his family and the animals, so too will God enclose you in his hand and no one can snatch you from that. No one can snatch you from the love of God. Listen to what Jesus says. He says, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. He says, I give them eternal life 
Life, eternal life that is taken away or ends or is not secure is not eternal. Eternal is unending. I give them eternal life. And listen to what the assurance that Christ gives his followers. He says, they will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand. Those who leave the ways of this world, those who repent of their sins, those who believe in Jesus Christ, who hear his voice and follow after him as Lord are forever secure in Christ. The same grace that saved you from your sins will keep you till the end. And you will forever find satisfaction and peace in the provision that comes in the hand of the Lord. That's what we see in the, in the ark. God provided food for his people in the ark. He specifically gave Noah instructions to bring food, uh, to pro- about the food provision that he was supposed to bring about for Noah, his family, and the animals. And in the same way, Christ will provide for you. That's the message of Matthew 6, right? He says not to be anxious about food and clothing and shelter. He says, consider the lilies, consider the ravings. I provide for them. Do not be anxious for tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. The practice of hoarding and panic buying is not something that reflects someone who knows the peace of Christ's provision. Christ will meet your basic needs, but more than that, he will satisfy the deepest longings of your soul. And we can rest contently in that satisfaction, in that provision that God has made for us in Christ Jesus. We don't need money. We don't need the bigger house. We don't need what the world says that you need to be satisfied. We have Jesus Christ. He is the treasure of treasures, the joy of all joys. He is the treasure hidden in the field worth selling everything for. We have Christ, and he fills all, and he is in all. And that's the good news of the gospel. It's pictured in the story of Noah and the ark. In Christ, you are delivered. In Christ, you are secure. And in Christ, you are cared for. But you've got to enter the ark. You've got to leave the world that's passing away. You've got to hear the word of the Lord, to hear the gospel, hear the voice of Christ, and follow him. Or else you'll perish like the rest of mankind. So if you have not repented and believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, today you have the opportunity to enter the ark. Today is a day of grace. Today is the day of salvation. Don't let that slip. If you have not repented and believed and followed Christ, you are resting under the condemnation of God. But Christ came to deliver you from that. So later on in this service, we'll have an invitation. I want you to come forward and talk to someone about following Jesus Christ as Lord. For in Christ, you will find that God is bringing about a new beginning for you and for his creation that, will, that will, you will forever enjoy and worship Christ as God. So last week, we talked about the question of who God wants us to be. And we, and we came to the conclusion that God wants us to be a vessel of mercy to those around us. Remember, a vessel of mercy is someone who believes the word of God, who walks with him, who does the work that God has commanded him to do, and who becomes a preacher of righteousness, a proclaimer of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the righteousness that comes through faith to those around us. And this week, I think our passage challenges us even more to press even further into our identity and who we are to be. And that is that we're to be people who live not for this world, the world that's passing away, the world in which the condemnation of God rests, but we are to live for the new beginning 
that God is bringing about in Jesus Christ. We're to live for the kingdom of Christ that is here but coming. It's here spiritually, but we'll be here one day physically to be fully revealed in the new heavens and the new earth. Because the truth is, is that this world is passing away. Look at what Jesus says about Noah and his return. Matthew 24. It says, For as were the days of Noah, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. For as in those days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, until the day when Noah entered the ark. And they were unaware until the flood came and swept them all away. So will be the coming of the Son of Man. So as Noah was building the ark, and after it was completed, he was laboring, he was working to get the animals on the ark, animals that would be in the new world. His contemporaries were living for that which was soon to pass away. Now they were given to sin. A good bit of their desires were wicked, absolutely horrid. But a lot of what they were doing was just basic, normal, good desires of life in this planet. If you look at Cain's genealogy, which talks about people who were alive at the time of the flood, or their descendants are at least alive, what do we see? They were devoting themselves to building homes, raising livestock, the study of the arts, the development of tools, of architecture. They were eating, as Jesus says. They were drinking and marrying. They were just settling into their life. And none of these things I've just mentioned in this brief moment are sinful. They were given to sin, but there was a lot of things that were just normal. The biggest mark of the generation of Noah's day is they were living for the world that was passing away rather than heeding the, the words of the preacher of righteousness that was saying this world is passing away there's an ark that can provide salvation and you can walk into the new earth that God is bringing about. They didn't listen. They were living for the world that was passing away. And we can see their folly now. We can see their foolishness, but we're the same way. So often, we foolishly live for this world that is bound for judgment. And like the ancient world, like the, the world of Noah's peers, all will pass away. All of your money, all of your real estate, all of it will be burnt up. It will mean nothing in the world that is to come. Absolutely nothing. As God's church, what are we to do? We're to labor for what will remain in the new world. When the entire world around us is living for the here and now, Let's do the faithful work that will persist, that will persist in the new world. Noah was ensuring that the animals made it on the ark. And now, as Noah ensured that the animals were on the ark, let us seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Let's build on the foundation of the gospel of Jesus Christ with gold and silver and precious metals that will pass through the fire of judgment. That's works that are eternal, that works that that have uh, eternal significance. Let's not build with wood, hay, and stubble, but let's, re re let's build with that which will pass through the fire of judgment and enter into the new earth with us. Let's concern ourselves with making disciples of all nations and revealing God's kingdom on earth in all that we do. Whether you eat or drink, do all things for the glory of God. Don't live for this world. Live for the coming of Christ and his kingdom. And when, and when you're doing that, there's inevitably going to be days where all you look around and see are the waters of the flood. Noah was on that boat for a long time, wondering when this was going to come to a conclusion. When was he going to be able to walk into the new earth? 
There are going to be days when you feel just the same. When you look around and all you see are the brokenness of this world. You're longing for the day of no more tears, no more pain, and no more sorrow. I want you to remember this. God has not forgotten you. He remembered Noah. He will remember you. The journey is long, but you are not alone. I want you to be encouraged by the olive leaves. That is, the glimpses that God graciously gives us of the new earth that is to come. Because the dove brought back a leaf from the ground of which Noah was about to enter, the new world that he was entering to. And likewise, God gives us glimpses of heaven, glimpses of the new earth that we will inhabit as an encouragement in this life. We have the vitality of Christ living in us. We have the mind of Christ. We have his new life of righteousness and peace. We have his Holy Spirit who indwells us. And we have the joy of Christ in us. We have his church, this community of faith, as a picture of the heavenly community that is to come. We have his comfort in our grief. We have his ear for our prayers. We have his provision for our needs. And we see his beauty in the sunrise. All of these things, all of these good things that we see in God's creation, in God's church, and his provision for us in Christ Jesus, all of these are glimpses of the greater reality of joy that is to come in the new heavens and the new earth that he's bringing about. So I want us to be encouraged by the olive leaves. Be encouraged by these glimpses that we have of the new beginning that is coming. Because today, what we're doing as the night continues on, we're living in the shadows of the dawn. But one day... The sun will rise. And we'll hear the loud voice from the throne saying this. Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. And death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. That's the new beginning God has prepared for his people, his church, his bride. We will forever be with our king in heaven. Because just as, just as Noah and all who were with him on that ark entered into the new world that belonged to them one day together as the bride of Christ all the saints of God past present and future we will all enter into our inheritance in the new earth in glorified resurrected bodies and that communicates a new a, a powerful truth about heaven that is often misunderstood and that is, there's a heaven that is now that we think of, but there is a heaven that is to come that we speak of, which is the new heavens and the new earth. And that heaven, which I'm talking about, will be physical. And it will be a place of rejoicing in God's good creation. The new world that God provided was full of physical joys. He says, I have given you everything. God's material world was in inherently neutral. It was very good. God is going to bring about a restoration to all of creation in the resurrection. All of creation is longing for the revealing of the sons of God, Romans 8 says. God is not just going to, we're not just going to exist forever in this disembodied existence on the clouds playing some harp. No, your body will be raised and glorified. All of the heavens and the earth will be recreated and there will be physical creation and we will enjoy it in glorified 
manner. Heaven will be a place full of colors, smells, taste, discovery, learning, craftsmanship, relationships, hospitality, beauty, wealth, glorious nature, stunning architecture, the most riveting music, art, and stories. Our minds can't even scarcely begin to imagine the glory that is to be revealed in the recreation of the heavens and the earth. And that is the new beginning that God has in store for his people. And unlike the world that we're living in today, unlike the world that Noah stepped into in the ark, the world that we currently live in, we, that prevents us from properly enjoying God's good creation as we are meant to, heaven will be a place of perfect righteousness and peace. Sin will be no more. You will have no capacity to sin in heaven. When Noah walked in sin afterwards, you will not in the new heavens and the new earth. Christ has made the end of sin, and he's, bringing a, he's going to remove every effect and stain of sin from his creation. In heaven, we will know the full joy of God's righteousness and our peace with God and others. We will love God perfectly, and we will love our neighbor as ourselves, and we will experience far deeper friendships, far deeper relationships than anything that we know in this world. In heaven, all will be as it should be. Christ will be magnified perfectly in creation and in the hearts of his people. And we will know the joy of sinlessness in a world not tainted by the brokenness of sin. That's an important point. That's our hope. God is bringing about a new beginning no matter what happens in your life. From here on out whether it's great or horrific. In Christ Jesus, we are confident. We are sure that the best is yet to come. And in this hope, as we have done so so often this morning, we worship. We glory in Christ. We praise His name as we anticipate the joy of being in the physical presence of Christ forever and ever. And this is ultimately what makes heaven so great. It's great because God is there. If you'd be content with all the blessings that heaven has to offer without Christ, you've missed the whole point. One, you've missed what made these things that you think you like, what made them great. Christ made them great. Christ's creation is a reflection of his beauty and his majesty. And then you've missed the end. Jesus Christ is not a end, I mean a means to an end. He is the end in and of himself. We exist for his glory, not he for us. Heaven is great because God is there. And if you couldn't give a rip about whether or not Jesus was there in heaven or not, I challenge you to, to examine yourself. To examine where you stand with the Lord. Because eternal life, as Jesus says in John 17, is knowing God and the one whom he sent. And this is why in all the enjoyment of what heaven has to offer, the main thing will always be the bride glorying in the bridegroom. In the discovery, in the taste, in the sounds, in the architecture, in the streets of gold, in the gates of pearls, all of those things, every aspect of heaven is meant to move us to worship Christ. 
We worship him in his creation. It's physical, full of physical joys, but it's still the end of all things in heaven and in this life is the worship of God in Christ Jesus. For heaven will be filled with worship. That's what it's all about. Worship. All the other things about heaven flow from the restoration of the proper worship of God in the hearts of his people. And it is in this love of God that captures the heart, that captures our affections, that captures the soul, that we will know the true joy that heaven, that heaven has to offer. It's about Jesus. Always has, always has been. Always will be. We exist to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. When Noah stepped out of that ark, he worshipped. Every clean animal, every clean bird, he worshipped. Because God gave Noah the earth to enjoy, and he charged him to be fruitful and multiply, filling the earth with God's righteous image. And Noah responded by worshipping God in humanity's new beginning. Now, we know the narrative. We know at, at the Tower of Babel, a man quickly twisted God's creation. They quickly refused to fill the earth with God's image, and they devolved into idolatry. For while the ark gave Noah a chance at a grand new beginning, it was always meant to point to the greater that is offered in Jesus Christ. A new beginning with him and his new creation. Heaven will be a place full of physical joys that will be properly enjoyed in perfect righteousness and peace as we worship our King Jesus in every bit of it. The Spirit-filled worship of God in Christ Jesus drives the whole ship. Noah did well in his generation. He did well by being a vessel of mercy to those around him. He did well by living for the world that was to come, not the world that was passing away. So who does God want you to be in this life? He wants you to be a vessel of mercy to those around you who is living for the world that is to come, who's living for the kingdom of Christ, not this world that is passing away. So where's your heart? Are you storing up treasures in this life? Or is your heart set on seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness? What are you living for? Are you living for that which will be burnt up in the end? That means nothing? Are you living for that which is eternal? What has captured your heart? Is it Christ or is it money? Is it Christ or is it family? Is it Christ or fill in the blank? What has captured your heart? For if it's not Christ, you're going to live for that which will pass away. In light Solomon in Ecclesiastes, you'll look back on your life and you'll say it's meaningless. But if you live for Christ and his kingdom, echoes of what you do in this life will be heard throughout eternity. For you'll be laboring for that which will persist. Be a vessel of mercy. Believe God. Walk with Him. Do the work He's commanded you. Proclaim His gospel. And live for the world, the kingdom that is to come. If you're in Christ, you have been made new. And God is bringing about a new beginning for you and His creation. So rest, rest 
in his secure deliverance. Live off his satisfying provision. Labor for that which is eternal and be encouraged in the midst of the grief, in the midst of the flood. Be encouraged by the olive leaf glimpses into eternal life that God has given to us as we hold onto our hope. For we are confident, we are sure that as Noah stepped out of that ark, Christ will bring us into his new creation and we will all enter into the kingdom of Christ to forever glory and his presence. Let's pray. Father, forgive us. So often we do not have the eyes to see. So often we look and live for that which is temporary rather than that which is eternal. So often we look for food and provision outside of your hand. Food that is not good for us. Help us to have hearts of contentment that are captured by the glory of Christ. Oh God, help us to be a vessel of mercy. Help us to be one who lives for that which is eternal. Lord, we proclaim that your son Jesus is salvation. Only him. May he be the focus of our lives. May he be the end of the desires of our heart. Oh God, forgive us for using him as a means to some sort of end. Oh Lord, that is so wrong. Help us, Lord, we pray. Help us as we hope. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.